What is Amazing Love? Well, first and foremost, it's a gathering of people who are committed to reach the lost with the love of Christ. I love a quote by R.C. Sproul that says, Reaching out, or evangelism, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And at Amazing Love, that's just what we're doing. We're a community telling others, we found bread. And not just any bread, the bread of life, Jesus Christ, who alone is able to satisfy a hungry heart. And what did Jesus do? He leaves 99 sheep to find the one who is lost. Taking our cue from Jesus, we do so many things to reach the lost, whether it's an outreach event like our helicopter drop, renting space to Lincoln Way Strings or schools, service projects like Dirty Ministry, or inviting our friends to come to church with us. And what are we hoping they find? We hope they find community. A gathering of people that you can belong to even before you believe. Come as you are, but make no mistake, as you get to know Jesus, you won't stay that way. We hope they find peace. Everything we do, we're going to emphasize the victory that Jesus won for us. We are forgiven. We are loved. Heaven is our home. We're going to find purpose. Something better than a golf game or doing another load of laundry or spending a few more hours at work. What we are doing is storing up eternal treasure. It's something that will matter now and for all eternity. And when we work together, more is done. More people are reached and more are served in a better way. That's exactly what we've seen in the past couple of years. We've done more and God has blessed us with more. We've offered more events, more group offerings, more planning, more excellence, more inviting, all so that more people found Jesus. But I don't know about you, I'm not done yet. We're not done yet. There's a next level still to reach and a greater impact to be had. So now's our time to dream, to envision, to imagine yourself in the 10,000th year of heaven looking back at life and thinking about what you could have done, what you wanted to do. Where will that lead us? That eternal perspective will lead us to maximize these mere moments, or at least want to to reach so hard so that hungry are fed, so that lost are found, and that we all grow close to the one who is only, the only one built to satisfy our hungry hearts. May God bless us to reach toward that next level. So church family, I saw some uh, familiar faces up there, uh, how great it is to be a community. As we've come together, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is powerful. You accomplish the purpose for which you send it, and so accomplish that purpose in our hearts. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And so I've been using a dream quite a bit already in the videos, a dream, uh, a word uh, that, that I'd love to get in your minds and your hearts today. Uh, I said it before, dream, and I want to start with a question. What are your dreams for this life? And because I think it's so important, I, I want you to maybe even write it down. I want you to spend some time and maybe on the car ride home, talk about it with your spouse or with the kids. What do you dream will happen in these few moments that God has given you? 
When I consider this, it's hard to not think about what's coming up tomorrow, which many kids have uh, days off for, which is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, MLK Day. And uh, when I even use the word dream, I think of that famous speech, I have a dream. And what was his dream? Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Was that a good dream? I think so. And while that dream is not accomplished in totality, uh, we might look at that dream and say, it's had some impact. Uh, It's led people to rethink their ways and maybe even become a little bit more loving. I think of a musical called Hamilton. Anyone ever uh, watched Hamilton before? Okay, maybe know some of the songs, can rap them. Um, and, and when it comes to the dream that was kind of the premise of that, a part of American history was to break off from the United Kingdom, to, to be a country of their own. And so one of the famous characters, this is my favorite character, King George, um, who says, well, good luck. You're going to want to come crawling back to me when you find out how hard leadership is and how hard politics are. And just as not everyone loves me, I don't think they're going to love your leaders, which he was off on, right? Like, But that dream led to our own country. It led to a different form of government, monarchy to democracy. Here we are, and what a wonderful thing, right? And so now I've given you enough time and space to think of your dream. How many of you maybe thought of retirement dreams? You know, what you would do in retirement, maybe retire a few years early, have enough health and energy to go certain places or watch the kids. Maybe some of you are still in the midst of life and it's dreams for those kids. What they're going to do, who they're going to marry, how soon they're going to have grandkids that you can watch and then send home after you fill them up with sugar, right? (laughs) Maybe for some of you uh, young people, you're, you're looking about what college you're going to go to, what your sports career is going to turn out to be, where you're going to work, all these dreams that, that hit our hearts. Well, for us here at Amazing Love, we are dreamers, and we're dreaming big. In fact, when it comes to this series next level, our dream is that we would have growth, that we would have greater impact, that we would reach more people with the love of Christ. That's our dream. And that the people we do reach would have their best season of faith here as we try to serve all people, all ages, all genders, all races, as well as possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a good dream. And because we're dreaming about growth, essentially, I thought to kick things off, Let's talk about how the kingdom grows. So if we're really dreaming about something one particular, let's go to a scripture that tells us, if that's your dream, this is how it happens. And so what I want to do as kind of a framework for our time together is talk about growth in the kingdom. What we're going to talk about is how does the kingdom grow. We're going to talk about what is needed and what stands in our way. So how does it grow, what's needed, and what stands in our way? And, and may God so bless us. It's, it's his power, you might know, that does anything good. Him, he gets all the glory. But I wanted to share with you a, a ministry dream I've had and, and help you evaluate it. So here was one of my dreams. Um, I, I often dreamt if one person comes to Jesus through my life or ministry, I'll consider it a win. 
And maybe you've had a dream like that. I know many Christians think of who's in their life and like, if, if that just happens, I'm good. And then I was studying scripture this week and the Holy Spirit, I think, challenged me. And the challenge was this, I think I was dreaming too little. And perhaps I was dreaming too little because I have a good friend, Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Jeff always tells me the difference between your expectations and reality. You know what that is? Is pain, right, right. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to lower my bar so I don't have a lot of pain. But, but, um, but, but I don't think that's really helpful, especially when you have scriptures that tell us to be big dreamers, that tell us what faith can do. When Jesus says something like this, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. I'm not sure I'm dreaming big enough. And what about you? If that was a similar dream. I'm not sure only one person, one impact, is big enough. Especially when I think of what people of the world do. So even people without Jesus, the Lord of the universe, who walks on water, who says nothing is impossible, they have things like BHAGs. Have you heard of a BHAG? So BHAG, um, it's an acronym. And and does anyone know it? Quiz? Quiz time? Okay. So BHAG, yep, Phil's got it. You got it. It is a big, hairy, audacious goal. I don't know why Harry's in there, but why not? Okay, I didn't write the book. Uh, Comes from Jim Collins. He wrote Good to Great. He also wrote Built to Last. And businesses are shaped by leaders' BHAGs. And and you might work for a company. You might work for a school. You you might live in a family where if the leader has this huge goal, your whole life is kind of revolved around running after it, right? Now, these are people without the God of the universe, You don't have to even have faith to pursue some big, hairy, audacious goal. We come to a place where Jesus rose from the dead. We come to a place where he's above all things, all power, all authority for the sake of his church. And so now is our time to really dream what could the God of the universe do not only through my life, but through a collective effort of people called amazing love. Isn't it fun to dream? And so, I know you have earthly dreams, but because we're in church, I want to give you a spiritual one. And this is what I think your homework is. This is your next step. I want you this week to dream a big dream that has to do with God. I'm going to say it again. This is your next step. This is your goal for the week. I want you, not just earthly dreams, I'm not against earthly dreams, but dream a big dream that has to do with God. And will we be content with whatever God gives? Absolutely. But will we limit our minds and even our faith? I don't think we should. We should consider what God might do through us. And so let's get into the word of God that shapes our perception of this. We're in Luke chapter 8. Uh, the parable of the sower was actually recorded in two portions of Scripture, in Matthew and in Luke. Uh, today we're going to take Luke's account and uh, just a- incredible words over what uh, God can do for his kingdom. And sometimes we rise in honor of the word of God. Why don't we do that today also just to keep us warm today? Uh, up and down, here we go. So Luke chapter 8. 
It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them a parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop a hundred times. That's why I can't just dream for one. A hundred times more than was sown. Why a hundred? We believe in a God who does greater and more than we can expect. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. We need to pause there and thank God if Jesus Christ as Lord makes sense to us, because that was only revealed by the Holy Spirit. What a gift. This is, though, the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. So they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, so they don't mature. But the seed on a good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. These are the words we consider. Could you say to your neighbor out loud, dream big? Dream big. All right. Feel free to be seated. I love Chicago's architecture. So there was a, uh, a world-renowned travelist named Phil Rosenthal. Uh, he has a show called Somebody Feed Phil. He was at the Travel Adventure Show in Chicago here in Rosemont. And he called Chicago America's handsomest city. Do you agree? It's the handsomest city. Been on an architectural tour. Uh, you can see all the different stages, the, the, the levels, the ages of, of different design, right, from the 20s to modernism and all, all the new things. Well, one of the buildings that would have really enhanced the skyline of Chicago is this building. Does anyone know the name of it? This was the Chicago Spire. It was going to be 150 stories tall. It would have been the second tallest building in the Western Hemisphere after Burj Khalifa. It was going to be enormous. It was started in the early 2000s, actually in 2005, and it stalled out in 2008 because of the big recession. Now, now they started it. They started the project, and you can see evidence of the start because in Chicago itself there is, if you bring up the next, a humongous hole. <laughs> A humongous hole of where the Chicago Spire should have been. But when I look at this, I think of the principle that it's not good enough to start, you must finish. Right? Starting something doesn't actually make an impact. Finishing a project does. We don't actually know the spire. We're not Chicagoans who say, come visit the spire, because though it got halfway started, nothing else happened, right? 
And the reason I bring that up is because of that principle found in Scripture. So as we turn to the Word of God today, what all four soils have in common, they all started. All of them started. And yet, starting wasn't enough, was it? Look at the, the first soil. The first soil that we have, here, here it says, those along the path, okay, so uh, where the you know, birds came, it's when the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And it's funny how God's word comes to life because we know these examples. This is that friend, this is that neighbor who heard the gospel from you and, and was really intrigued for a day or maybe a week or a month, like, oh, there's something to that. I, I get why you're a Christian. But then probably went back to school and maybe had a professor uh, teach about evolution and if there's not a creator, then maybe I can't trust. And so it was, it was gone. Or maybe they heard the word and, and they heard the good of Jesus, but then if they understood about his lordship in their life, they're like, well, I don't want a lord. There it goes. Or they talked about God's ways with their friends and without any support, you know, the friend said, well, that's nonsense. Obviously, that's closed-minded. That's not the way the world works. What are you thinking? Right? This happens. A start. They hear Jesus but the devil's at work so that it doesn't take root. It doesn't get planted. They don't go any further. Then we have the next soil, the next soil that was started but fell on the rocks. What happened on the rocks? Here it is. They believe for a little while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. This also is very observable, isn't it? Do you have a friend or a neighbor who, during a season of suffering, didn't turn towards God. But right now, you know their story, their inflection point is that season of suffering, that season of testing is the reason they're not with the Lord anymore. Suffering always is a fork in the road. Either I lean into God or I lean away from God. And Scripture is pointing out for those who lean away from God, it's not enough to start. And so what do we find in the scripture? It's, it's our first takeaway that when we want next level growth, we need to know it's not enough to simply start. Starting doesn't actually make an impact. We don't know the Chicago Spire's influence on our life. We just see a hole. And so in real time... Um, what this series does is it explains a little bit of what's going on in Amazing Love. You know, I saw this principle in real time because as a pastor, we were reaching people who went through starting point and then joined as members, but they didn't continue. And so we said this is a problem. And one of the reasons Pastor Jeff was called was to really emphasize our discipleship. And so Pastor Jeff has really emphasized our groups. And by the way, groups are starting up again. If you're looking for a group, feel free to email Pastor Jeff. Uh, we went from eight groups before to 20 more groups now. So more time to continue in the faith. How awesome that is. It's not enough just to start. What else did we place emphasis on? We placed emphasis on volunteerism. And again, I don't know if I shared with you, uh, if you weren't here Almost all of our volunteers were able to make today on this apocalyptic weather day. <laughs> That's amazing. And what an awesome volunteer crew we have uh, to continue to serve people and love people like Jesus loves. 
And so we want to continue that effort. When Pastor Jeff retires, one of the dreams is that we would find his replacement so that we can have the same great emphasis, so that we can serve people not only at their starting point, but ongoing. And we don't want to retract. We want to keep building. You know, one of the things I love that's been created is our Wednesday nights. Seasons ago at Amazing Love, it was kind of a dead building. Not a lot was happening. But now Wednesday nights, we have Starting Point. We have Access Class. We have a children's choir, which is created by Courtney. We have youth nights that are uh, spun on by Kristen and Youth Emphasis. And now you see just this big community effort going on here at Amazing Love. How awesome is that? But now we need to know what stands in our way. We talked about not starting, but there is something that God is calling out. If you want to mature, if you want to produce fruit, watch out. All right, so to set this up, I want to talk a little bit about fruit trees that don't produce fruit. So I have a picture of a fig tree, which is a common illustration of Jesus in the New Testament. If you read the New Testament, uh, maybe you're reading the plan with us, you're going to come across the idea of fruit a tree producing or not producing, and Jesus' reaction. And I actually have learned about fruit trees that don't produce fruit because at our house, we traded out an ash tree because of the ash borer disease with a cherry tree. And um, I had this vision that my daughters would come home from school, pick a cherry, like, hey, this is just our home. It's ideal, you know, maybe some jam, maybe some pies, cherries, yeah. The only problem is I waited four years and no cherries to the point where, like, I went back and I checked with Stark Brothers, like, was it self-pollinating or did I need another pollination tree? Like, you know, and I was like, what is going on? Am am I just killing stuff? Do I not know what to do? Like, is this going to produce cherries? Well, finally, finally it produced. Five years later, we had our first crop of cherries. So it did end up, but man, I was like, what's the point of a cherry tree without cherries, Right? Well, Jesus thinks the same. Jesus looks at a fruit tree and says, if your one job was to produce fruit and you're not producing fruit, look at his reaction in a parable of the fig tree. He says this. He came to the fig tree and he says, for three years now I've been coming to look for the fruit on this tree. Haven't found any. What's he say? It's useless. That's that's what a fruit tree is that doesn't produce fruit. It's useless, so cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Let's move on. Obviously, it's not doing its job. Maybe I'll produce something else. So an amazing love, one of our conversations in Bible class is about maturity. How would you define spiritual maturity? Think about that a little bit. And what we've been talking about is that it's not enough just to know the Bible. So knowing the Bible isn't in itself what makes you mature. You know what makes you mature? Doing it. In other words, producing fruit. Not just hearing it, but doing what it says. In fact, to this day, when we look at mature Christians, and and again, not us, when we just look at other people, we see maturity when we see fruits that the Bible calls out. We see maturity when when a Christian is concerned about evangelism. That's a sign of maturity. When when faith is not just about them, but about someone else, that's maturity. We see maturity when they have the fruits of the Spirit. 
You can come to a person with, with peace and patience and gentleness and joy and self-control. And you can look at those fruits and say, okay, I, I don't know what all is going on, but you sure seem mature to me. Thank you for the fruit, right? Because, by the way, Christian fruit always helps. Do you know that? But, but then God warns us. He warns us there's something that's going to get in the way of you producing fruit. Watch out. And boy, is he going to nail us. It's just going to be like, yeah, you're right. He says this major thing is getting in the way. And this is so true for American society. In fact, it was so true I had to reference it last week and this week. Because Jesus comes up and says, there's one big warning. Watch out. You will not produce fruit. And he goes and he says, they go on their way and are choked out by what? Worries, riches, and pleasures. And so what doesn't happen? Look at these words. They do not mature. If we are consumed by worries, by riches, and by pleasures, we will not go to heaven with a big harvest because we will not gain maturity. And so, our next fill-in, next, we cannot grow to the next level if our major concern is riches and pleasures. And so, one of the spiritual aspects of Amazing Love through this series is to talk about our use of what God has given. God has given us so many good things, time, talent, treasure. And by the way, it's not sinful to have money. And by the way, there is no obligation to give more. I just, like, clear the air on that. Because at Amazing Love, we say this is a get to give. This is a spirit-produced response that wants to, right? That dreams big. But it is a chance to decide where my impact goes because you know what you fund has impact, right? And do I want to fund the empire of Walt Disney? Not against Disney, by the way. I like Mickey Mouse. Do I want to fund my hobby? I'm, I'm not against hobbies. Want to go golfing? Do I want to fund a shiny new toy? I like shiny new things. Or do my greatest dollars go to and my heart's greatest desire of impact go to the kingdom of God? And that's a gut check that no one else will know because no one else will know what proportion, what response, what you're able to do. That is just a highly personal thing that you have to wrestle to the ground. Do I want to make my greatest impact for Mickey Mouse or Jesus Christ? And we're going to prompt you with joy to consider it. Or time. Do I want to spend all of my time on a beach somewhere? I like beaches. Or do I want to make sure I have a lot of time for Jesus, hearing his word, being reminded? And I know this is a tough word. It hits my heart as well. I cannot claim perfection at all. But I love the opportunity to repent and do it again. To come with a heart of repentance and then try again based on the fruit that Jesus has. Because let me tell you about his fruit. Jesus Christ produced the fruit for our salvation. Him and him alone. None of the fruit we give to God is good enough for salvation. You know that, right? It was his perfect life that is our righteousness through faith. 
It was his innocent death that is the reason we do not fear the wrath of God or any punishment over sin. It was his resurrection that gives us our biggest dream and this idea that is ours, free of charge, better than Disneyland, better than the beach, a new heavens and a new earth where joys never end simply because Jesus loves you. And I remind you of that love today. You are forgiven. You are his child, and eternal life is yours. It's not going away. And by the way, it's not even contingent on your response. That's how good God is. What hangs in the balance is wasting our life or using it. What hangs in the balance is maximizing moments or letting them slip by. Because the reality is all believers will go to heaven, but some believers will go with more fruit and some with less based on how they stewarded their time here on earth. And so we're dreaming big. And so I have a couple more motivations for us to produce big fruit. The next thing we have to do going forward is we must, for next level growth, rely on God's word. So, so that's how the kingdom grows, Right? The kingdom doesn't grow through a style and it's not about a personality. No, it was very clear that the seed that is working, that accomplishes the purpose. And so in the parable, uh, Jesus said this, the seed is the word of God. And if you know anything about the message, um, it is the message that changes hearts and lives. Um, It's not an experience. It's not a feeling. It's the message of Jesus Christ and what he's done. In Romans 1, this is what it says about that message. He, he said, Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because it is the power of salvation for all who believe. So we want people to rally around the word of God, to hear Jesus, Christ crucified, and what that means. And so at Amazing Love, uh, our vision statement around this emphasis is this. That we're going to teach timeless truths. We're not going to change God's word, but we're going to do it in a, uh, sorry, timeless truths in a timely manner. I'm sorry, that's a, that's a typo. Timely manner. Uh, to do this, we create appealing, effective church environments in which the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ is shared. And, and maybe you've actually seen that. You come to Amazing Love and we want you to know the word of God. But we're always evaluating how is this most effective? How is this most appealing? How is this most engaging? And so we judge that all the time, whether it be in our kids' ministry and kids' curriculum, whether it be on the stage and how we present music, whether it be in a message, because we know if someone hears the word of God, then they're going to be helped. Then they have what they need, the power of salvation. But finally, I hope I've inspired you for big dreams. What might God do if we dream big and hold on to it? What could we do in this lifetime and what is needed? See, see, the reason I couldn't dream just of one is because God said a hundredfold. Did you see that? That's what good soil does. And he let us know how that happens. The good soil that I hope you want to be, that I want to be, he said this. The good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Persevering are are, are like the people who wake up when it's snowy and negative 20 and say, I'm going to go and I'm going to face the ice because I want to hear Jesus. 
Good to see you. Way to go. It takes perseverance. There's always reasons to give up. There's always reasons to, to clock it in or to check out. That, that's never going to stop, but it's going to hinder fruit. And so next level growth, it happens through faithfulness. That's an understanding of perseverance, isn't it? When someone is faithful, they're reliable. You can count on them. Every day they wake up, they're going to try to do the same thing. In fact, I have seen this correlation between the spiritually mature and how consistent they are in their effort. The more mature you are, the more consistent you are in kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. The lack of consistency is an immaturity. And what could God do through a faithful person? I love the ministry of Billy Graham. Billy Graham who went to Wheaton College. Billy Graham who said, reach more people with the gospel than anyone else. Billy Graham, who didn't just serve for a season, but actually was able to end ministry without flaming out, live till 99. Boy, what an impact of that faithful servant. But he had reasons to give up. In his autobiography, he recounts a time where someone was digging in against the inspiration of Scripture. And he was wondering, should I still proclaim as if all of God's Word is inspired? And it was this wrestling match. Should I keep preaching? Until he came to a moment that he recalls, and this is what he recalls, Father, I'm going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts, and I will believe this to be your inspired word. And it is from there he said a spiritual war was won. He had reasons to give up. I'm sure you do too. But my prayer is that a spiritual war is won. My prayer is that in these moments, you're, you're looking from that eternal perspective and you're saying, no, 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 I'm not going to let anything get in my way. I don't have that much time. And so may God inspire you with whatever that big dream is freely from your heart to work to collectively with us so that God gets greater glory, so that his renown extends so that many, many more experience the power of salvation because they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let it be. And let it start with us. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, at this time, uh, we're going to turn our attention towards prayer. And uh, we're going to pray not only for this emphasis, but also for Pastor Jeff, who is sick. I'm his fill-in today. Um, we're also going to pray for an anniversary uh, for Seamus and Erica. And then we're going to pray for uh, Steve Smith, who's facing surgery. After this, we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. So, Heavenly Father, only your Spirit can inspire us and empower us to be the good soil that produces a hundredfold. But, Lord... Give us vision and clarity over how to do that and bless us as we continue. Uh, Lord, we pray for Pastor Jeff that you would put his hand of healing on him and help him to recover. Give him what he needs during this time of sickness. Lord, as Steve Smith approaches surgery, we ask you to bless all those who attend him with success and skillful hands. We pray that he would recover according to your will and they'd continue to bless him. Lord, we also thank you for your idea of marriage. And we thank you that uh, Seamus and Erica have enjoyed 17 years together. 
Lord, keep them strong and let them be Christ-like examples of love to each other. On hard days, uh, give them perseverance and the understanding that this is good and that it is God-glorifying. Lord, bless all Christian marriages. Uh, Give them strength by the Spirit to glorify you in that arena. We pray all this in Jesus' name, but now join together in the prayer Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.